You may be seated. We'll be in Colossians chapter 1 this morning. Oh, yeah, 5th and 6th and 4th. Yeah, I thought so. 4th, 5th, 6th. There you go. It's right out there. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. Thank you all for moving to the center. That's nice. I didn't even have to say anything. Um, I just have to go for Margaret over here. Uh, yeah, yeah, back over to Sam, and we're good. So we're good to go. Uh, I had an experience, and this has nothing to do with the message or anything, but I had an experience years and years ago uh, of coming into a church that had been built in the mid-1800s out in the country and they literally had pew sections. You guys know where I'm going with this? <laughs> different families set in different sections. And, and like any church, they had families that had come and gone throughout the years. Uh, my Sunday filling in, the two families that sat in the middle were out on vacation with the pastor. And when I got there that morning, it, it was really odd to me because I honestly thought there was a split or something going on. Because there were about 40 of us in the building, and this entire middle section was empty. But this little corner over here, and this little corner over here. <laughs> I thought to myself, how am I even going to handle this? Because they're not going to move. <laughs> that was just the given. And as I thought to myself, they're not going to move. What am I going to do? So I happened to remember the pastor's office had a swivel chair in front of his desk. So I just prayed that no one was offended. I brought it up on the platform, and I just kind of swiveled back and forth throughout the message. So uh, if nothing else, sometimes you just got to figure out how to do things, right? Um, this week, uh, thank you for mentioning uh, groups this week. Um, me and my wife and kids plan on visiting both your groups, so you've been on notice, so, and Ralph already told me he's out of town, so I figure that's a good week to visit, <laughs> so, uh, sorry, it was, I love you too, brother, but uh, I'm excited to dig into Colossians, next week will be in two, uh, Lord willing, and next week, will be, the week after will be in Colossians three, and we'll finish up the book of Colossians at the end. Uh, then we're praying about going into something about discipleship, uh, if you all end up calling us here. Uh, we're really excited to be here and worshiping with you today. Colossians chapter 1, I want to read verses 4 through 6, then we're going to pray, and we're going to go back just a little bit. Colossians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, the Bible says, and I'll go ahead and start back in verse 3, we thank we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, and indeed the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard of it. And understood the grace of God in truth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we have to be here to worship with you. Lord, I just pray that you would help us. 
Lord, I pray that the words I say today would not be mine but yours. I pray that you would cut out anything in the sermon that is not of you. And Lord, that you would help us not only to hear it, but to live it this week. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the really cool things about the book of Colossians is he's writing to a church he's never been to. Colossae was a big place with a lot going on in the first century. And then there was an earthquake a few years before the writing of the book. And it became a town that was a shell of its former self. It was a town that had all kind of different views in it. It was a lot like our world today where everyone had their view of what God's word was. Everyone had their view of what God was doing. Actually, when we get into the book of Colossians, what we're going to find out is there were people in the church that believed there was like one secret truth that like 5% of people got and 95% of people didn't. When we get into the book of Colossians, we're going to find out there were people adding to the gospel saying Jesus was just a prophet. Does that sound familiar? When we get in the book of Colossians, we're going to find the fact that they, they thought angel worshiping was a good thing. When we get in Colossians, we're going to find out that they had a, a false view of, uh, of how sex worked. They had a false view of, uh, of how greed worked and how providing for others worked. They had a false view of all these things. That's what we're going to find when we get in the book of Colossians. But before we get there, I, I want to show you guys something. Somebody asked me last week if I'll use a prop every week. I won't necessarily use a prop every week, but if we're all honest, we're all a little ADD, right? Okay. I like having something that hooks, right? Something that hooks to what we're doing. I had no idea what that hook was going to be this week until I, I spent a few days on a family vacation. Took a vacation with my in-laws and all their kids. You know, that's a vacation, right? And 20 of you crammed in a house together. And my father-in-law loves doing everything together, doesn't he? Everything. Morning, noon, and night. There isn't, hey, let's go off and do this, and we'll meet you guys later. Every meal together, every activity together, even if everyone's not going to do it. You've been on vacation like that before. There were two living rooms in the house, one living room that no one sat in because it was in a divided part of the house, and a different living room. And, and almost all of my nieces and nephews are in travel ball. They play multiple sports. One of them wants to go to the Olympics. So there's a constant theme where whether it's playing catch, whether it's running around the house, whether it's playing tag, there's always something going on. And there was a constant, I, I couldn't find a basketball, so I had to, I had to get a soccer ball. The basketballs with the world on it were backordered, so... I apologize, I have a soccer ball for you, so you won't get the full extent of it. There was a hardwood floor in this house, and there were 
At any time, what, two, three balls going? Constantly. Constantly. Now, my kids know there's a rule in our house. <laughs> Nobody dribbles a ball in our house. <laughs> we have driveways for that, right? <laughs> we have backyards for that. But constant, <laughs> constant noise was going on. And I wanted to stop it. But when I wanted to stop it, I realized two things. The first thing I realized was those aren't my kids. <laughs> Second thing I realized was my father-in-law is paying for the Airbnb, so it's not my house. And since it's not my house, it's not my rules, right? We're going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> since it's not my house, it's not my rules. You see, a lot of us look at the world like this. We look at the world as something that we control. That we control our own destiny. That we control what's going on. But what we forget is it's God's world. It's his world. And we have to live his way in his world. Why? Because it's his, right? All right. So we're going to get back to that here in just a few minutes. I have no good place for a ball. Thank you. I'll just holler out for it when I need it. Um, I want you to notice something. The reason I had you read the first few verses is simply this. Paul cared for a place that he had never been before. You know, our faith matters because Christ matters. Here's the thing you need to understand about the gospel. The gospel will always bear fruit and it will always multiply. We have this false idea in the church today that it is something that we're doing that gets people to Christ. What actually gets people to Christ is the gospel. The gospel going out. Paul had prayed for these people. Verse 4 says he had prayed since they heard of their faith in Christ Jesus. Remember, Paul's never been there. He's never been there, but he cares. Say, so how do you care about a missionary serving around the world? Well, because those people need Jesus, right? How do you pray for people? who you don't like personally, they need Jesus, right? The gospel will always bear fruit and multiply. And it says at the end of verse 6, as it is also, also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Hearing it, understanding it. All we have to do is proclaim it. That's our responsibility. Hearing and understanding, that's the responsibility, A, of the Holy Spirit, because he's the one that guides us in truth, right? But that responsibility is a personal responsibility. Sometimes we, we don't want to share the gospel with people because we're afraid that we'll fail. We never fail. Because why? The power of Christ is in the message and in the words that he has given. Our faith matters because 
Christ matters. Let me go on, verses 9 through 14. Our prayers matter because Christ matters. Verse 9, it says, From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Get that. He, they prayed constantly. Want to see the church full? Pray every day. You want to see God work? Pray every day. Um, trying to look around the room. There were a couple of them that were there. Uh, Jeff and Jason were at teen camp uh, this past summer. We saw something amazing, right? We saw God work in so many amazing ways, and it was after seeing a dry season for a little bit. You know what changed? Prayer changed. Messages didn't get any better or worse. They just were. God changed it through prayer. So as they prayed, verse 9 says, so, I'm sorry, the end of verse 9, they may be filled with all knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for he has given endurance with patience and joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share the inheritance of the saints of light in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Absolutely. <laughs> Jesus rescued us. I want you to get verse 13. Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of, the beloved, of his beloved son. Why can you have confidence that you're saved? You can have confidence that you're saved if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because he transferred us. You ever been in a situation where somebody asked you if they'd take a check? You didn't know them and they asked you if you'd take a check? What's it generally mean if you don't know somebody and they're a stranger and they want to buy something off of you and they want you to take a check? <laughs> Typically means they don't have the money, right? <laughs> oh, can you Venmo me? Do you have the cash? Let me take a check. I can tell you I ran a pizza place over here 10, 15 years ago, and can you take a check was the idea of, hey, this is a 50-50 shot on whether or not you're getting this pizza for free. <laughs> but we can rely on Christ because he did the transfer, right? The balance was paid in his blood. He did the transfer. He redeemed us from sin. He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Isn't it odd that we want to go play where he rescued us from? I won't go there too long so you guys can take a breath. we got to get through the rest of the chapter. But, but we do, don't we? We want to go back to that darkness that he gave us freedom from. Verse 15, I want you to get this. Christ matters because he created our world. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and in earth, 
visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and all thing, in him all things hold together. He is before all things. He created everything. And he has rule over all things. I'm not going to have you, I'm going to have you pop that up in about two minutes, and I'll kick you when we're, when we're ready to pop that up. Because it's a cool thing God built into all of us. But I want you to get something before this. Colossians 1.15 to 17 answers the question that all of us have in our hearts. Who am I? And why am I here? Who am I? I'm an individual created in the image of Christ. That's who you are. By the way, that's how you know that you have purpose on this earth, right? You're created in God's very image, which means he loves you. He has purpose for you. Why am I here? I'm here to glorify him because it's his place, right? Just going back to that, I won't have you. You can hold it for now. I'll let you hold the world in your hands. Uh, <laughs> he created this world for his pleasure. And it's his because he bought it. He didn't only create it. He purchased it back with his blood. So Christ matters because he created our world. I want you to see something. There's, there's a molecule. Uh, Louis Giglio used this illustration years ago, and I'm going to use it from Louis because I couldn't find a better illustration from it. Um, there is a protein in the body when you get down to the base of cells and when you get down to the basis of the nucleus of cells and when you get down to the proteins that hold everything together, there's a protein by the name of laminin that holds it all together. Would you go ahead and show us what laminin looks like? It's a powerful image what laminin actually looks like. You see that image right there? You see that cross? At the base root of every cell of our body, Christ holds us together. At the base of everything. They say, you don't understand, I'm falling apart in life right now. It doesn't matter, Christ is holding it together. We get all sideways on that. We think we can hold it together. Can I tell you something? You can't. I can't. I can't hold it. You know how I know I can't hold it together? I was borderline furious about Tuesday afternoon hearing those balls bounce all day long. And I'm thinking, you know how much Christ had to endure? That's a bouncing ball. But he holds it all together. Christ matters because he created our world. He holds it all together. But I want you to get something else. Verse 18. By the way, I want you to understand the transition here, and I want you to understand how important the church is. In this picture of who Christ is, 
in this picture of creation in the middle of all of this, as soon as Paul says, the firstborn of all creation, he doesn't go to Israel, he doesn't go to tribes and nations and peoples, he goes straight to the church. The church was only about 25 years old at the time. goes straight to the church and he says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, and everything that he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things, whether in earth and heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. I want to take that a little bit backwards. Why is it Christ's church in verse 20? And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth and heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. It's his because of the blood of the cross. Why is this Christ's church? Because he paid for it. We don't own it. I told you I was going forward to go backward, right? What's verse 18 say? Verse 18 says, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Here's the fear we have in the church. And let's just be honest, we all have it. Church isn't going to succeed if we don't have good X, whatever that X is. We don't have good music. We don't have good children's ministry. We don't have good small groups. We don't. Uh, we get caught up on that, don't we? You know what we need? We need Jesus. <laughs> all that stuff. By the way, there's nothing wrong with all that stuff. We should have good discipleship. We should have awesome music to worship God. We should have awesome children's ministries. We should have awesome youth ministry. But none of that will take the place of Jesus. How else do we get there? Well, you know, if so-and-so isn't part of this church anymore, this church it won't be a church. They're what made a church here. God's what made the church here. And it's that way everywhere, okay? We all feel that way. At times, well, you know, so-and-so isn't a part anymore. The most terrifying thing I can tell you personally in ministry was when we stepped out, uh, just given a personal testimony in the middle of all this, when we stepped out by faith and started a new camp ministry. You know why it was terrifying? Because there were about a dozen people that weren't going to go with us. Who we knew we could count on to do certain things, right? Because we all get comfortable with people, right? We you know what we found out? If the church is number one and if Christ is number one, he raises up people. He raises up people. We can't. It's not in us to do it, but it, he will. He'll raise up people. And now some of my closest friends are people who he raised up. When I thought, maybe this is over. 
Christ matters because he created the church, and we must never put ourselves as the head of the church. No pastor, no leader, no deacon, no, no one human is the head of the church because Christ is the head of the church because it's his body. It's his body. I'm going to skip down to verse 24. Skip down to verse 24. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affections for the sake of his body, that is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known in the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. What's that mystery? To them that God chose how to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mis- this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I want you to get something from the first few verses there. The first few ver- verses there tell us one simple truth, and that simple truth is this. Christ takes care of his church. Christ takes care of his church. He's the one in charge. He appointed Paul to this church. He used Paul to speak to a church, and believe at the time, the, the Colossian church was no more than 50 people. By the way, that church mattered so much to Paul with 50 people in it that it, as he's in prison in Rome, he decides to write this letter. He decides that it's important. He chooses who does his work Not only that, remember they were looking for hidden truth. So as they're looking for hidden truth, he says in verse 26, the mystery hidden for ages and generations now revealed to the saints. Isn't it amazing we know more than Moses knew? Moses didn't know anything about the church. He does now. He didn't know anything when he walked this earth about the church. David didn't know anything about the church. But we do. Isn't it amazing? God gave that to us. Say, why does that matter? It really mattered to the Colossian church because remember this time the Jews are still like, even the Jewish Christians are like, man, I'm better than you. I'm a Christian and a Jew. I'm a, I'm a full Jew. And they held that as almost an ethnic superiority in the church, so much so that the first deacons that were appointed had to be appointed from the Gentiles because those were the ones that weren't getting taken care of. This mystery was revealed to the, his saints, not to the Jews, not to the Greeks. By the way, we're going to get to the end of the, end of the book of Colossians, frees us 
from ethnic boundaries as far as tiers of civilization. By the way, that was a radical teaching at the time. That was a radical teaching at the time. The mystery of the church. What was the mystery of the church? Verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory. And this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in you. That was the mystery. That was the amazing thing. Not knowing there's a Christ. Remember, they knew about all kind of teachers. They, they knew about the Greek gods, Hermes and Apollo, and Diana's temple was right uh, uh, about two days' walk from them where they would go and worship this fertility goddess. They knew all of this. And if you want to read some messed up stuff, read about Diana of the Ephesians and all the worship that was involved in there. There were temple prostitutes, all kind of stuff going on there. So all they saw was Christ as an abstract God among gods. But he says the mystery isn't an abstract God among gods who you have to worship. The mystery and the fulfilling of everything is this, that Christ lives in you. And we can go home today knowing that Christ lives in us, right? He lives in us. That's the great thing about the message. He lives in us. I want to close with this. Christ created everything. Christ created everything. He's the Lord over everything. Nothing we can do changes that. Christ created everything. He's the Lord over everything. Nothing we can do changes that. You know what that means? That means we can go to bed having no stress knowing that Christ has got it. You know what else that means? That means whatever ideas we have contrary to Christ in our life, we need to get rid of those because they don't work. They can't work. So the question I'm going to ask you as the instrumentalists come up here in just a minute, what will you do with what Christ has given you? And I want to, I want to mention something real briefly first because I know this message this morning was more towards a Christian pointing towards Christ. But I want you to know, if you're here this morning, you don't know who Jesus is. We would love to talk to you during the invitation after the service. I got nowhere to be this afternoon. I'll just be honest with you. We'd love to talk with you, share with you Jesus, show you who Jesus is, show you that all you have to do is admit that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus died for you and ask him to come in. And when you ask him to come in, the Bible says he will no wise cast you out. That's who Jesus is. He loves you. He wants you to be a part of his family. Will you be a part of his family today? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the, the thoughts that we've been able to share this morning. Lord, I pray that we would understand that you are Lord over our lives. Lord, I pray if there's any here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, that today might be the day 
they would give their lives to you. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that his blood cleanses us from all sin. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.